This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, what's good? Welcome back to another edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am Blair Angulo. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is a special edition, uh, another one. It seems like I keep saying that, but it is the recap for traditional signing day. The first Wednesday in February has passed, which means recruiting classes have locked in and we're bringing in 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Editor Brandon Huffman to join the fun. Brandon, I know this isn't the Dan Patrick show, but welcome to the podcast. Dude, I will always have time for the Blair Angulo show. <laughs> well, I'm no Dan Patrick, at least at least yet, but it was cool to see you, you know, do a national hit on National Signing Day. And, you know, it's it's one of those days where uh, we get a little bit of the spotlight uh, in the national news and the headlines because it's, you know, kind of a, a big deal for college programs as they close out their recruiting cycles. And let's talk a, a little bit about some history being made. Alabama locked in the best recruiting class ever. I think what is the most remarkable part about what Alabama did is this is in year, what, 15 of Nick Saban? This isn't like you're coming off a, a new coach with new energy, like we often see. I mean, how many times did we see the Ole Miss, the UCLA, the the schools that were coming off a new staff and kind of a lot of that new excitement? No, this is a guy who's been in his spot for 15 years, loses his offensive coordinator, replaces him with an NFL head coach, and now signs the best class in recruiting history. And by the way, Blair, he might not be done completely because there's a number one player still sitting out there that Alabama is very much in the mix for. Imagine having the best class on signing day, and that's without even calculating the number one player in the country. That's where Alabama football is at right now. Yeah, we're talking about JT Tuimoloao, the five-star defensive lineman from the state of Washington, has yet to come off the board, and it probably won't be for another few weeks at least, a couple months. Uh, it sounds like maybe April. He, I think he wants to wait until visits potentially reopen uh, and when the recruiting dead period is lifted, and it sounds like he still wants to be able to go out to Ohio State. What's the latest buzz that you've heard about JT and his process as he kind of continues continues through the recruiting thing. So with the, you know, kind of the, the, the initial buzz that there may be a little bit of an opening of the NCAA recruiting calendar to at least allow for the quiet period, which allows coaches to have recruits on campus, doesn't let them go on the road, but potentially April 16th with the dead period extended to the 15th, April 16th till the end of June could be constructed as a quiet period, which would allow for schools to host recruits on campus. Well, in the case of JT, He's only visited four of the five schools that are in his final five, the school that's been considered to be the leader for quite some time, Ohio State. 
is actually the school he has yet to visit. He camped at Alabama. He's visited Oregon, Washington, and USC, but he has yet to get out to Columbus. His family did not go to Tuscaloosa with them. So there's a big desire on he and his family's part to get out to Tuscaloosa, to get out to Columbus, see both of those schools before he makes a decision. And that's why I think we're looking at mid-April as an optimistic timeframe for him to make a decision. It might be more realistic to be at the end of April. And the other key caveat in all this is that I don't expect JT to sign an NLI because the NLI period will be done in the early part of April. I think he's going to sign financial aid papers and a scholarship agreement, which binds the school, not him. And leveraging being that elite player that's still out to make a decision by not signing the most one-sided contract in sports, which is a national letter of intent. Oh boy. So are we going to be on JT enters the classroom watch? I think we that's could when be. it makes it official, right? When the, yeah. when the prospect actually attends his first course. Yeah, the JT in the U-Haul truck, followed by JT in the classroom watch, <laughs> could be this summer's hottest reality show. Hey, who needs blockbuster flicks when you've got JT watch? We're joined by Brandon Huffman. You can follow him on Twitter, at Brandon Huffman. He is the 24-7 Sports National recruiting editor. So seven five-star prospects, according to the 24-7 Sports composite for Alabama. And the way I explained it to my wife, because she's not really into the recruiting stuff, she'll go to a college game with me here and there. You, you've actually tailgated with us, Brandon. She doesn't really understand the concept of it. And I was trying to explain to her this morning when I was working and, and, and kind of trying to hammer things out. Seven five-star prospects in a class out of 32, I tried to put it to her in NFL terms and said, imagine if the reigning Super Bowl champion, the, the Kansas City Chiefs in this, in this, in this scenario, were to get seven first round draft picks in the next NFL draft. I know in the NFL and the professional ranks, you aim for parity, right? So the, the first place team gets the last pick in the first round. The last place team gets obviously the number one pick in, in, in the draft. But Alabama keeps reloading and, and they just locked up seven first round draft picks. And what's crazy is that how diverse positionally those five stars are. And it's like where you lose an elite receiver, you get an elite receivers come in. You lose an elite offensive lineman, you get an elite offensive lineman coming in. You know, you may lose some elite defensive linemen. You could potentially have the most elite defensive lineman coming in. And so not only are you seeing the like the NFL team getting seven first round draft picks, you're replacing a Hall of Famer or a all-star with an All-American that's going to be able to come right in and be able to play right away. I mean, I remember, okay, I don't really remember this. I was six, but when the Lakers won the 1982 NBA Finals, somehow they had the number one pick in the draft after winning the NBA title and drafted James Worthy, who helped them win, what, three more titles. So that's where Alabama is, where they just continue to reload. I mean, you can't even call so much what Nick Saban's doing recruiting. It's at the point where they're just evaluating. Basically, if they recruit you and they recruit you hard, there's a good chance they're going to get you. So they just got to hit on their evaluations. And frankly, you don't see many bad evaluations coming out of Tuscaloosa. Now, there was a time when we saw with a couple of the West Coast kids that they may have recruited, you know, Cooper Bateman, and Blake Barnett are two that were highly rated quarterbacks that went there and didn't really flourish. But in the last two years, I mean, it is hard with the exception of Antonio Alfano. Everything Nick Saban has brought into Tuscaloosa has essentially turned to gold. And the probably the craziest part is how many guys he's able to convince to come back when they're NFL draft eligible and then replaces those guys with players that have sat there and waited their turn. I mean, it's, it's pretty remarkable what they're doing. Yeah, and let's not forget about one-time Alabama commitment, Ricky Town. Also, uh, that was another miss hit, and and those are far and few, few, few and far between. Uh, Alabama with seven 
five-star prospects in this class. Ohio State, the number two class in the country, five five-stars. Georgia at number three, they had four four-stars. LSU had a couple of four uh, five-stars, and they finished number four. And Clemson had three five-star prospects and finished number five in, in the country. Michigan was one of the winners as well, and you can read about it over at 24-7 Sports. Steve Wolfong, the director of recruiting for 24-7 Sports, had a, a nice little breakdown of some of the winners uh, from National Signing Day. And Ole Miss also landed uh, a Taiwan Malone, who Brian Doan was out to see during his announcement. And he's an interesting subject because the words Frank Thomas have been thrown around with him. He could be a potential high MLB draft pick at some point after college. He wants to play college baseball as well. So Ole Miss making some waves with Taiwan Malone. Brandon, out west, USC w- was able to finish the early signing period very strongly. Uh, they were able to get Jackson Dart, the quarterback out of Utah, who saw a-, a-, a meteoric rise in his recruitment. They were able to sign Corey Foreman, the five-star prospect and, and the only player uh, in Southern California who had that five-star label in this class. And, and then this traditional signing day, they were able to get Rajon Davis, a, another high caliber linebacker from modern day, and, and they're able to beat out the likes of Ohio State and LSU and a few other programs for his signature. And then you throw in the fact that they got Sierra Ride to announce for them back at the beginning of January at the All-American show. You know, that's a close that we're used to seeing with USC. You get the number one cornerback in Southern California. You get the number one defensive lineman in Southern California. You get the number one linebacker in Southern California after already signing, you know, other guys that were number one at their position in that region. I mean, considering a year ago, at one point, they were 12th in the Pac-12 to now being a top 10 program nationally. A, a year ago at this time, but I remember, Rajon Davis was committed to LSU. Corey Foreman was committed to Clemson, and it looked like 2021 was going to go much the same way that 2020 had gone for USC. And it was really probably when Dante Williams got there, when he left Oregon to take uh, the defensive backs job at USC, it was like right around the, the beginning of the pandemic in, in mid-March into April, where momentum started to swing with a lot of SC recruits, and namely like Kalen Bullock and Jalen Smith and Anthony Beavers and other guys from the Southland that were either committed elsewhere or leaning elsewhere, they started to commit to USC. And then the momentum just kept building, uh, building and it closes with such a bang to get Foreman to not just announce, but to get him signed in December, to get that out of the way, then to get CRI, and then to hold off a late charge by Ohio State and by Oregon for Rajon Davis and to keep him in and keep that modern day to USC pipeline going. I think this is the recruiting that USC fans expect. And, and essentially they, they, they kind of demand it and, and for good reason. But last year, I think we're now seeing that that 2020 recruiting class was an anomaly USC isn't the only program out West that's sitting in a good spot. Oregon continues to build that presence in what five different States out West this year that they got the number one player in the state to, to come to Oregon. So the Oregon SC recruiting battles are, are going to be epic these next few years, but we're starting to see SC recruit back in their weight class again, after a one year dip, that was really leaving a lot of Trojan fans concerned with the future of the program. We're going to get right back into this here after a break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast.
Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We are back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am Blair Angulo. Before we get back to Brandon Huffman, let me tell you about the College Football Daily with Trey Scott as well as the Late Kick with Josh Pate. Those are two other podcasts on the 24-7 Sports Network. And if you want to give them a, a subscription and a follow and a like, wherever you get your podcast, just search for College Football Daily and The Late Kick. Now, Brandon, I want to I want to throw a theory out to you. And, and, and I think I, I've mentioned this before, especially to you. And I think during a COVID recruiting cycle and a pandemic-stricken recruiting cycle, I feel like the programs with the big name, with the prestige, with the tradition, you know, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the the USC's, right? The USC was what, 60th or so in the 2020 class. They were able to recruit off of their name and they were able to capitalize on that. And you, you see it with Alabama. It's a prime example. They are able to sign the best recruiting class ever and that's because there were no visits. I feel like recruits, when when it came down to it and when everything was on the table and they maybe they did their Venn diagrams or they were able to kind of shift things up on, on their board, Alabama's prestige, NFL development, Nick Saban, all those were pluses. And when you eliminate the visits and you eliminate those in-person communication and the contact and, and all those relationships that you build in person, I feel like that won out. It's true. I mean, you get to the point too, where you're not having to, I mean, if Alabama wants to, and they're going to continue to recruit you, that shows you where they're at on your board and where you're at on their board. And, and I think you're right. I think this is one of those years where if you look at the top three or four programs, you have LSU, which won the national championship a year ago. So, you know, we always see the bump happen after a successful season in the year, the following recruiting class. So LSU benefits from that. Georgia does too. They've been a hot program for a few years on the recruiting trail, but it's not a surprise to see Alabama at the top, Ohio State right behind them. And I think one of the advantages is when you're a sophomore or when you're a freshman, let's say you're, you're an underclassman, but you get that Alabama or you get that Ohio State offer, you're going to go out and visit that much earlier instead of waiting till your junior year. And you look at what Alabama and Ohio State have done. I mean, Alabama had JT Tuimolo out on campus after his freshman year for a camp. He performs well, gets an offer from there. Now they have that one advantage over Ohio State until he visits and that he at least knows the Tuscaloosa campus. He knows the, the town. He knows the school. He sat in Nick Saban's office. He sat across from Nick Saban. I mean, we saw the viral clip that went out this week of Nick Saban doing a Zoom and recruiting somebody. Now, you know, imagine having a Zoom call with Nick Saban three weeks after he won a national championship again and 
you know, that's almost as cool as him coming and sitting in your living room. But that's the one advantage. I mean, when Nick Saban talks, everybody listens. And when Ryan Day, who, you know, granted, he's still a little bit wet behind the years as a head coach, but he's only lost twice. He's played in two playoffs. He made it to a national championship game. He's got just as much recruiting cachet as anybody in the country not named Nick Saban. And he's putting a lot of heat on him. So you see Ohio State up there. You see the Clemsons and the LSU and the Georgias. The one that really stands out to me, though, is Oregon. Because Alabama, there's talent in the state of Alabama. There's talent in the state of Ohio. There's talent in the state of Georgia. There's obviously talent in Louisiana and down south. But Oregon, you know, isn't necessarily what you would consider a a fertile recruiting ground. And the Ducks really had to expand their reach. And we talked about earlier, they've got five players or six players that are number one in their own state, but it wasn't like Oregon is that accessible and easy to get to. So it's kind of impressive that when you look at the top 10 recruiting rankings, you see nine schools that you kind of expect to be there. And then you see Oregon, which shows you the, the, the job that Mario Cristobal did and them having that junior day, the weekend before the pandemic. I think you, you were the one that brought this up a few months ago. Ty Thompson was on campus, if I remember right, when the NCAA handed down the rulings saying that the dead period was going to be enacted because of the pandemic, Ty Thompson was in Eugene. So Oregon was able to recruit all the way up to the pandemic and they had a key junior day the weekend before. So they're one of the few schools that were able to get out of state recruits on campus. Otherwise you have these programs, like you said, where they recruit on their name, they recruit off of their reputation. And even without getting guys on campus, they bring in a top 10 class. Yeah. Oregon had a huge recruiting weekend right before the shutdown. And I think that really paid dividends. You look at their their recruit list, their committed list. And a lot of those prospects were in Eugene that weekend. So uh, you know, some foresight, I think, right there from, from Mario Cristobal and, and that staff. Oregon finished number six in the composite team recruiting rankings. AM was seven, USC was eighth, Notre Dame was ninth, and Michigan was 10th. And, you know, now we shift our focus over to 2022. And, you know, obviously college football is over. The 2021 recruiting cycle, uh, apart from JT2 Maloa, I know you're going to be on JT Watch for the next couple months. The, the 2021 cycle has, has essentially come to a close. The NFL is about to to end this this coming weekend as we now shift our focus to the NFL draft and, and all that. But we're going to be covering recruiting over at 24-7 Sports, the 2022 class, the 2023 class. So I want to invite you to head over to the website, get familiar with some of these names that we're going to be discussing over the next year and a half, two years, however it may be, before they put pen to paper. And it's going to be a, a lot of fun to start evaluating, start putting some of these pieces together, and, and hopefully start writing about some of these prospects that are on the phone with those college coaches that are able to hit the road and, and take some visits. And you know, I wanted to bring this up because we've talked about it before the edits that came off hot off the presses right after ea sports announced that the college football franchise was coming back on next gen consoles i know you were scrambling to find a next gen console uh brandon and i know you're close up there in the pacific northwest to ea sports headquarters in vancouver what's the scoop there what are you feeling well you know this is a trap that i think by all these parents (laughs) to now buy their son or daughter the next new game console and so of course they had to throw that little variable in there that for next generation consoles I'm like I see what you're doing I respect it I don't like it but I respect it and of course when my son had to send me that magical tweet that came from EA Sports he basically got me to give a verbal commitment of okay 
We'll get the new Xbox when it comes out. And now he's got it in paper. And I guarantee you, of all the things I tell him for the next four or five years, this will be the one thing that he remembers the most. I'm really interested to see what this does to recruiting because we saw edits being thrown out, graphics being thrown out on Twitter almost instantaneously. Like like there were edits guys or graphics designers or whoever is able to put those things together. It seems like they were already ready. I will throw shade out to the to those that, that wrote EA Sports NCAA football because I don't think it's going to be called NCAA football anymore. I don't think the NCAA is going to be a part of it at all. I feel like EA Sports is going to do maybe some licensing agreements with universities themselves and, and do it apart from the NCAA and then I think it's giving them a year or two to be able to work on name, image, and likeness. And we're going to have actual rosters. At least my fingers are crossed there. And I feel like from a recruiting standpoint, it's going to be pretty interesting how coaches are able to use this, maneuver their way, and kind of twist things into maybe you know offering a pitch here or there. Somewhere out there, there is a graphics editor at a college program who was designing a graphic for a recruit in the 2024 or 2025 class that will be very close to what the actual cover of the next game looks like because that guy is putting this graphic together of whatever kid is going to whatever school and that guy will be the next player on the cover because at the rate it's, it sounds like it's going to be two or three years off. Somewhere around this country, there is a high school football player who got that graphic who will be the next cover star of that game. I don't know if you saw Joe Burrow's tweet where he said, my whole life I dreamed of being on this game. And the year after I'm done with college football, they decided to bring the game back. Hey, let's have the picture of Joe Burrow with his legs crossed, smoking a stogie on the cover. Let's give the man what he deserves. Yeah, that'd be nice. The first edition and and the the reignition of one of the most popular games ever. And and obviously it gives us a a nice little dimension because there is some football recruiting involvement in there. If you play some dynasty mode, you can recruit a a roster. So maybe if you if you choose to to play with someone not named Alabama, you can try to unseat (laughs) Nick Saban from the throne. Well, and think about this too, Blair. Have you ever seen the college football Twitterverse as united before as it was yesterday? No, never. I mean, that was a a steady stream of probably two hours where the Twitter feed was all positive. EA Sports, you magnificent people, you, you united the most rabid, angry fan bases in the country all for one glorious day on February 2nd. Yeah, why didn't they do this in 2020 at some point, right? Mm-hmm. We, we could have we, we had different days. Uh, so that's Brandon Huffman. Brandon, thank you so much for, for joining us. Can't wait to do it again. Always enjoy it, Blair. All right, that is Brandon Huffman. You could follow him on Twitter, at Brandon Huffman. He is the 24-7 Sports Recruiting Editor. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Enjoy Super Bowl weekend, everyone. We'll catch you again here next week. 